Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball, and a special All Ball. We're going to try and do this. I don't know. Why don't we do it daily? I mean, the truth is, uh, I'm working for Westwood One, so I get a chance to watch ev- literally every game. It's my job. I, I watch every game. And um, it's fun. It's a bit daunting. But in it, it provides... I think need the chance to take notes every night and wake up every morning with new thoughts. I've also recently experienced exploring what a uh, head coaching opportunity would look like. And, you know, look, uh, we've done a lot of things on this podcast, told a lot of stories. I'm not sure how many of my own first person stories I've told, but we've also talked about getting jobs, but maybe not all of the different things that have to align in order for you to get a job. So the job was Wisconsin Green Bay. And I'll tell you about it in a second. First, um, I'll kind of work backwards through my brain. Arizona State stomps, stomps Nevada. And I was kind of a champion of Nevada midseason. But you, if you watch them late in the year, if you look at the substance to their, their schedule, if you know that the Mountain West, talent-wise, is, is not a lead at the top uh, outside of... Like, San Diego State's really, really good. They're a machine. They won the league. But they're substantially better in terms of culture-wise and talent-wise, I believe, than the rest of the league. Um, and that generally plays out in the tournament. Occasionally, they get nipped by somebody else. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with Utah State and Boise State. That league got four teams in. That's a lot, considering it, it wasn't like it was a spectacular... That league benefited from the numbers, the net ratings, probably more so than any league in terms of who they actually beat in the non-conference and what the numbers actually look like. So that's going to be a fascinating one. But, I mean, Nevada fell on their face, but they just, they didn't look nearly as talented as Arizona State. Arizona State obviously came out humming. They were playing with great confidence. There were some people that said, even though Bobby Hurley's team made the field and still lose his job, which is weird because if you've been around Arizona State, you know that in Tempe, this is the truth of Everything is new at Arizona State. They new buildings, you know, new parts of campus. They keep expanding. You know, the only thing that's not new, the arena. I mean, it's like fresh out of the 1970s. Byron Scott can come walking down the hall. And his old sweats and like, yeah, that makes sense. Um, so the, the Arizona State element to it, um, where some people thought Bobby is going to lose his job, 
was really interesting. I don't know how you fire a guy after team plays like that. And now maybe they're the team that makes the run out of the, the first four because they looked incredibly dynamic. I don't think they shoot it that well. And obviously defensively in the second half, they started giving up some points, not like water, but taking some chances. The batter just had no answer. None. And, uh, you know, sometimes you have to remember, or like you take between Collins, Warren Washington, uh, and Desmond Cambridge, those guys didn't leave their schools. You know, and you talk about the starting point guard at Michigan. He doesn't leave because he's playing. He left because he wanted to expand his role and probably a bit more than I am. Desmond Cambridge, he was already a bucket. This, that thing had kind of topped out at, at Nevada, if you will. So it's not like you had guys that were leaving that they didn't play. Whereas, you know, Will Baker, he went through some personal stuff. It was a tough time when he was in Texas, but he wasn't playing in Texas. So it's a step down. And it's the, it's the true, you know, transfer down a level, not just down a level from the Pac 12. And I'm sure there's lots of Pac 12 people. They're like, yeah, see, we're still the better conference. I think Pac-12 is, at the top, definitely better than the Mountain West. Okay? In Arizona and UCLA, obviously UCLA not at full strength. They're obviously seeded higher, but they're better. USC, significantly better. Arizona State now, significantly better. So this, it, it, the, the thinking in the West has always been that way. It was only solidified by last night. Uh, as for FDU, fairly, fairly ridiculous. Willie Dickinson smashing Texas Southern. Uh, you know, I think if you line those two teams up, you would say that Texas Southern looks like they're the better ball club. Fairly Dickinson was just better coached, better executed. But they did look like high-level D2 guys in terms of smaller. Um, I'm not exactly sure why. I know everyone says, hey, look, I see Montel boys. We can beat them tomorrow. I shouldn't want to beat them. I just don't know what the purpose was of saying that, knowing their TV cameras in the locker room. But whatever, it doesn't really have an effect on the game. Purdue's not going to, oh, now we're going to smash you. I don't think that's what it is, especially with Purdue. They're not a team that sleepwalks through anything. But it is going to be interesting, the smallest team in the tournament going against the biggest team in the tournament. And, and some of that stuff is skewed, right? Like, Purdue is overall pretty big, pretty thick. Pretty grown up, but it's just skewed because Zach Eaton's all of seven three, seven four, and that completely changes both the median and the mean. Uh, the day before, you got Pitt, Mississippi State. Not Mississippi State hit a bunch of shots to open the game and then progress to the mean. I just, if you're a Greg Elliott or if you're a Greg Elliott fan, you are continuing to. Thank the good Lord that Mississippi State misses a wide open shot when you lose your man with 2.7 seconds to go. And then the team doesn't box out and you go up and tip it. But you, I feel good for Jeff Gaper. I mean, I know some of the stuff when we went down to North Carolina was all great. But that's just kind of the mentality Pitt has created. It is us against the world. No one thinks that we got this thing turned around. No one thinks we're any good. I don't know if they, if they 
how much they help the ACC with that win, but it doesn't hurt. And for Jeff, a guy who got a contract extension early on, and last year there wasn't really the substance at the end of the year to back it up. And he still, you know, he had, um, what's his name, Dealer Johnson or whatever. I mean, I, I don't know why he kept him, but that kid gets in trouble to start the year, obviously. And then Hughley leaves the team to work on his mental health. Like, I thought that was, um, that's hard for a lot of coaches. And, you know, they took some chances to, to try and fix this thing. But Jeff fixed it. And now the, the challenge is going to be not just trying to continue to win games, but to try and back up that win with another win. Because if you can make a run, and look at what happened with Wayne Tinkle at Oregon State. He's still there, even though they won three games last year. And I don't know, they were like 10 this year. Because in the 500 year, they won the Pac-12 tournament and made a run the NCAA tournament. So you can, and I think Pitt has been more solid recently than Tink's team. I've been more solid at that point in time. But, but that's not the point. The point is that making the run gets you that contract extension, gets you the breath you need to reestablish yourself in the program. And that win went a long, long long way. Uh, then you had Texas A&M, Corpus Christi. I thought that was a super competitive game. I mean, the, the best game of the tournament in terms of how evenly matched the teams were. But the problem is that, you know, one, SEMO just couldn't get a stop down the, down the stretch. But one reason they couldn't get a stop was they were in foul trouble. And that's the lesson for the NCAA tournament so far. If you're, you're getting ready to watch it or if you're getting ready to play in it, is it, it sometimes borders on ridiculous how tight the officiating is. And SEMO got in such foul trouble that by the time you get back into man-to-man, and I don't know, I haven't talked to Brad Corn. I'd like to have him on the pod. I'll reach out to him, see if we can get him sometime this weekend. I would guess that Brad Corn didn't want to go zone. He's not really a zone guy, but he felt like they couldn't guard Texas A&M Corpus Christi. And they couldn't guard him not just because they're, the stuff that – that uh, the Islanders ran was so good. I also think that there is a certain throw your hands up in the air. We can't guard them because every time we do, they call fouls. But I, I wonder if, if BK, that's Brad Korn, of course, he's a really good player at Southern Illinois. And now I've reached the point where coaching against or coaching you know, other kids, uh, kids whose dads you played against, like, Trey Young's dad, Ray Young, was a great player at Texas Tech. I mean, you know, I'm now watching. Like, make that makes you feel old. You want to feel even older? You're watching. I'm watching head coaches in college who I've covered in college. Brad Corn, back when the Slookies had it, Roland, Roland, uh, BK was was there as a player, and of course, I've followed his career during his time at Kansas State as as Bruce's assistant. So, uh, I do wonder if he didn't go zone in the second half until the second half. Because if you go zone in the first half, they get to go in the locker room and talk about how they want to attack it. Whereas if you wait to the second half, it's much harder to make that switch on the fly. But the problem with going to a zone late in the game, problem with going to zone anytime is when you come back out to your man-to-man, it's hard to recreate that intensity. I thought they, they struggle with that. I thought that's legitimate. But nonetheless, the Islanders move on and they get to play Alabama, who is, a, is just so ridiculously long tough, focused, 
I think the big question for Alabama is, can they avoid those games? They're the team that if FDU played, okay, you don't want to wake up. You don't want to rattle their cage because they, they slept walk through that Oklahoma game and it, it was embarrassing. You know, one Oklahoma played very well. He's a hell of a coach. You know, they really loaded up and were physical against them. But two, you know, Alabama did not bring the proper level of intensity and they got their asses beat. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm FDU, that's the team that I don't, you know, I don't think it makes any difference in Purdue. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. All right, let's get to my story of the day, which is Wisconsin Green Bay. Um, I got a chance to talk to Josh Moon several times during the year after after they had made uh, their coaching job available. And my my approach to how I've done these things, and, and this is not the first time in which I've gone down the path, but this was a different path because it was a, you know, a low major, mid major sort of job because there wasn't a direct tie or connection. Uh, but mostly because it's a low major, mid major job. I have told people that for the right job, I'll, I'll, I'll consider I'll, the radio element to it. I would, for the right thing, I would give up the pod. I don't like giving up. I love doing this. And I do think there's a very smart world where if I'm coaching, I can still do this spot pod specifically and do it with, with coaches and basketball people all over the world, all over the country. And, and it's kind of like a, a cheat code, right? Like these conversations I've had with Shaka Smart, for example, have uh, continued to invigorate. I don't think it needs to be reinvigorated. Invigorated my hope that the right place is out there, the right fit is out there, and that, you know, if he can build a culture at Marquette where the kids love each other, hang with each other, fight for each other, and win with each other, that's that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. And last year when I was coaching in Israel, that also continue to invigorate or reinvigorate that you have that light on in your, in your brain or the light on in your soul, that this is something I would really like to do. 
but it has to be the right thing. It has to be the right AD. You have to have hit the right notes with the right message. So what I, what I have done over the last really month is put together what I believe is a perfect staff for that level in terms of how much do they make and how much should they make? And, um, how do you get players? How do you get players from the area? How do you get players in the portal and evaluate that level? One of the great things about the position that I hold now, where I call TV and radio games for a myriad of different conferences is when you get ready for the portal, I get texts from coaches all the time. Have you seen this kid? Have you seen this kid? And by and large, I've seen a good portion of them. Not everybody. There's 363 teams. Um, but it kind of reestablished my belief in how uh, search firms work. And you're like, wait, UW Green Bay used a search firm? Yes. Search firms don't select coaches. I know my partner on our digital show on stadium is Jeff Goodman. And forever he believes that search firms select coaches. Now, I don't know about the conversations they have. I don't know how much, um, how much leading is done, but I don't believe that, uh, Parker had the search. I don't believe that they had anything to do with Sundance Wicks getting the job. Nothing. I think this was very much a Josh Moon decision. He has worked before with Sundance Wicks. Sundance Wicks has been a head coach at a lower level before. He's an assistant. I'm sure he had really good people call for him. He's got great energy. That place is going to need great energy. And that's, that's the reason that the hire was made. Uh, but the way in which the process works is fascinating, you know? So step one was you had to kind of in classic form, you know, fill out a, an application. And, you know, look, I, I just think, I don't think anybody thinks anything left of you when you fill out an application. Now, in my mind, keep in mind, I got three kids. My daughters are um, juniors in high school. But there, one is not in the traditional high school. She's in like a, a program with Arizona State where she actually works at her barn and equestrian every day. And then she takes her classes online. And the next year, her senior year, it becomes honestly like college credits. It's kind of a cool advanced program. Um, I have her twin sister wants to be in some sort of alternative. I'm good with school sort of thing. He's in a small private school and would love to transition to something like that. I have a son who's um, essentially in seventh grade. And, you know, you, you don't really want to move kids in high school. But it did feel like it's a window in time where, you know, I could, I could move them or I could be there and we, I could spend various amounts of time with them. Like, again, that part was kind of tricky. And that part was difficult in terms of, all right, how is this all going to work? And that's the one piece really that held me a little bit back mentally and emotionally from going all in. But when you, when you have your interviews and you go all in and, and you say you want, you, you can't, you got to go emotionally all in because they'll, they'll see through it otherwise. 
you know, that's, that's the way it works. They'll, you know, they, they say everybody can spot a phony. I, I don't, I wasn't phony about my interest, but I did think it had to be right. So, um, you have to have a good sense for budget. I thought I did. Uh, but one of the parts to the job that I'm sure at the end of the day, it became, mm, it became a little bit of an issue was uh, I wouldn't give up the radio. So the radio piece to me is a great promotion for what I'm doing as a coach. It is in the middle of your day. You do have to have a great staff and I was prepared to take less money than other coaches would probably than Sundance took only in that uh, I was going to use that money for a higher level of staff and a higher level of competent uh, staff mates so that in my three hour recording window, I was able to do my pod and do my radio show and not have to worry about what was going on in the hen house. That, that makes sense to you. Um, so the way it works is you kind of fill out a application, you know, you got to check boxes, whether or not it's public institution, whether or not you want those, your, your name to be mentioned. Um, I didn't care. I never leaked it to anybody. I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't tell anybody of my interest or talking to them or where I was, you know, um, there was one report that I would take the job if offered the job. Um, but none of that, none of that came from me. I didn't even use an agent. The only time I used an agent was, um, the day before the decision was made. This is on Monday. I was told I'm one of the last three people in line for the job. And they send you a notice, a memo of understanding. So this is a weird thing. Monday, I'm flying home from um, Chicago doing the Big Ten tournament. I had visited Green Bay Saturday night, drove three hours up there, met with the president, met with the athletic director. Sunday morning, I met with some lovely people on the committee, all boosters of the Phoenix. And then I drove back, called the Big Ten championship game. And uh, I... I worked all day Monday and I was working all day Monday. Um, Monday afternoon, I get on a plane right as I get on a plane, I get a call from the search, the search firm telling me they're sending me a notice of understanding and that the decision would be made the next day. But in order to get through to that point, I had to agree on the memo of understanding. So uh, on the flight, I read through the contract. Um, but it's a weird feeling, right? To be sitting there. And so I, that was the only time I sent that to um, a, two lawyers, one who had been my, one who had been my agent and one who's a very close friend of mine. And I just, Hey, can you look this over? Do you, do you assign this? What do you do? And I didn't get it back till mid-morning. I sent it back mid-morning. And later on that afternoon, I found out that Sundance got the job. It's never offered to me. And, you know, truth be told, there were some mental 
uh, hurdles I would have had to overcome to get to that place. And I would have had to kind of fired up the line at my work. So I told my boss, hey, this is a possibility. I need you to think about it. Here's how it would work. Here's where I would be. What do you think? And so he was very, very supportive. But it wasn't, this is happening. It's been offered to me. So I kept him in the loop. But had they called me and offered the job, I actually wouldn't have been in the position where I go, yes, absolutely. I would have had to call my boss, the food chain, get all that stuff kosher. I'd maybe adjust that contract. I don't know what I would have done with Westwood One because they wanted to announce it immediately. And my boss at Westwood One had told me that for the NCAA tournament, you can't be a working college coach to do what I do. I don't know if that was the case if I was a working head coach, but I do know because I have recommended other people in the past. And that's one of the things that has, has come up. Nonetheless, it was a fascinating experience. Um, so here's the advice I would tell you. Okay? Obviously, you have to have your ducks in a row. You've got to know who you're going to bring with you. I think every one of you, if you're a coach, you have a feel for who your closest friends are, who your closest allies are, but also understand not just who's going to call, but who's legitimately going to come with you. Legitimately. And everyone that I proposed to them could potentially come had told me kind of a soft yes. You don't get a hard yes, right? Because it's not until the job is real, then you go, hey, would you come? But I even had a, 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 a staff meeting the day before I met with the committee where we got into Zoom. I had one gentleman who's a long time, really well-respected AAU and high school coach who was going to be kind of my boots on the ground in the area. I had him with me. Um, and then I had a couple of friends who I, I've coached with that I really trust. I had a, posi them, a, a position for them in mind. And then I had a, a longtime friend who uh, I grew up playing some with, played in college, is a coach, and uh, his connections would have been perfect for that level and to get that, that quality of player. So we had a staff meeting on, I guess, yeah, Friday afternoon. Friday afternoon, we had a staff meeting, we took notes, we put together our list, 23s, 24s, internationals, and of course, the portal. And we talked about, you know, look, we get this thing. Here's how we're going to get, here's how we're going to get to work. Here's first order of business. Here's first 30 days. It was all lined out. In terms of who I had called for me, you know, look, every candidate is different. Obviously, I had some big name people call for me who have a little bit of a wow factor. Um, I had players who have played for me call and send text messages of support, but also, you know, for me, because, you know, most people haven't seen me coach. They didn't watch my copy games. My coach in the TBT, you know, that, that's a, I played, we coached two games with Oklahoma State, one game with Team 23. They haven't seen my kind of my process. They don't watch AAU games or, you know, my, I think that the truest thing I said the whole time was it doesn't matter who you hire. I've coached more games than them in the last three years then they've coached their entire career because coaching multiple levels of AU basketball, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that 
there's a level of preparation for each game that you have at other places. But without any question, uh, it's like speed dating. And not all my teams play the same. So you can't coach them the same. But there's all kinds of different situations. And as much as, you know, I try and get everybody in, in AAU, in college basketball, there's an element to that, right? With the transfer portal, you got to get more guys in. And when I coached the Maccabi games, you know, the championship game, I, I probably could have gotten all 12 in. I got 10 in in the first quarter, you know, and, and gave them all like a legit look and a legit chance and didn't kill my momentum doing it. So there's an experience in, and I don't like to sub, you know, if it was me, I six, seven guys is fine. The problem is that you don't know which six or seven are going to play on a given night. I don't believe in subbing by a rotation. I, I just don't. I don't think that's how basketball should be coached because every game is different. Players are different. Settings are different. Feelings are different. Who's playing well, who's playing poorly is different as well. I don't need to do a rotation. Whoever's playing well that night, whatever I feel is the best, that's what I would go with. But I've actually coached more games than probably all those guys combined. And I've done in the last three, four years coaching multiple levels of AAU. Um, so I felt, I felt good about the process. I felt good about my preparation. I felt good about my ability to communicate what my vision was. Um, and it went another way. And here's the other part to it, which is, so it's a, the, the way the experience went for me is, Hey, it's an idea. Then, you know, you start to kind of put it together. Then you wonder if you have a chance. Then you start questioning yourself. Do you want this thing? So you, here's where, here's where the analogy with the Lakers works. Okay. You walk down the, the hall and you see all those names and see those pictures of all those great Lakers and. At some point after you've been there three, four, or five days, and you know the secretary's name, you know the trainer's name, you know the masseuse's name, you know you feel like you have a relationship with the equipment manager, the, the coaches not only call you by your name, but your nickname. Uh, you have a locker that has your name, even if it's in temporary, like, piece of paper. The way, and I don't know how your brain works, but the way my brain works is, you know, it starts to get good to you. You start to believe, okay, this could happen. And you start to, fa you start to think, oh, what would it, you close your eyes and you imagine yourself playing for the Lakers. This is back when they had Shaq and Kobe, you know? And when it becomes more real and you feel like you do fit and you have a good practice, or you get into a game and you do a couple things where you play well, right? When it becomes more real and then you get cut, that's when it really hurts, right? Because if you're just there for a tryout and you don't think you can make it and you're not emotionally invested, well, that's the thing with, with these jobs is if it's just a conversation or two, just an idea, just something you put on paper, it's just something you have one conversation with an AD or a search firm about. It's not that big a deal. Here's the crazy part. The last time around, my brother, Greg, who's now an assistant to women at Grand Canyon, he was a finalist. 
so as he said we're both we're, we're both the second choice for for green bay um but the ironic part is it's like he said it's like no one sent me a memo of understanding right to have that piece of paper which i have saved in my files they still have in my inbox to get to be that close to start doing that and this is the hard one right start doing the real estate thing huh where would i live you know like i had a vision in my mind and like you guys tell me that all the guys on my staff except for one okay wouldn't have families with them um you know one doesn't have family you know when you're divorced so we'd all we'd all be on some level single even if we had, you know like you might have a girlfriend or something but we'd all be single so i thought like this is the this is the idea i had for the staff is like i'll buy i was gonna like buy uh a townhouse or a house where we could all live right and have the space of or maybe we get two where we can all live all hang out right kind of all roommates and just all do stuff together right you're new guys in a new town and we're all working together anyway um anyway so you start like thinking those thoughts in your mind and it starts to get real to you and you know when you have the meeting with the committee they're like okay so what would you do if you get named the head coach you know tuesday well i guess i have to get on a red eye fly to Chicago and then, you know, fly to Green Bay and get after it. You know, that's legitimately the way it works. So, so, so here's kind of how I, I'm processing it in my brain. Okay? Because if I'm being my true and honest self, there was, there's a good portion of, of, did I really want it? Cause that was what, you know, that, that was, that was what so many people asked me. Do you really want this? And I, I would, I probably, I would, I would have told you up until the moment that I found out they hired someone else. I didn't totally know. I think I wanted. I, I had a vision for how the program would go. You know, they they're playing three guaranteed games. I wanted to play five next year. One, I want to show the players what it looked like, what it felt like at the highest level. But I also want to use that money to help fund the program. And yeah, I can take some L's, you know, cause if you win three games the year before you get there, I'm not winning three games. We're winning, you know, 15 to 18. That's my goal. But yeah, I'm okay taking an L every now and again. I've done this before. Like one of the things when you, again, when you coach AU basketball, there are games that you're going to play that the game is over before it actually starts. <laughs> that's just, you know, and that's what you have in college. And some guys' egos can't take that, or they think their players' egos can't take that. And that's sort of, that's a real thing. So I wanted to play five the first year, four the second year, three the third year, and then get to where you're playing, in, you know, maybe two uh, in your fourth year. And I wanted to have a, a some big opponent come in and... Um, and play play against us in their downtown arena, uh, which is where I wanted to essentially move all of the games. But the the the, the plan was was good, and it felt like it was right. I had a great beat on in-state players. There's a lot of mid-major players who are from the state of Wisconsin who have gone elsewhere, want to transfer back, and then I had a bunch of players in the portal ready to go. 
So the net net of it is this. I didn't know for sure if I wanted it. I knew for sure it would work. And then when I got the call that I wasn't getting it, I felt that same feeling that I had felt when I got cut by the Lakers, which was, damn, I really did want it. I really did believe it. I really did think it was going to work. And it really did hurt. And it's okay. It's okay. And this is like a growth thing for me to admit. You didn't get like coaches never admit they got fired. They never want to admit they didn't get a job. You know, they all they listen, I've I've decided to not pursue it or whatever. You know, I think that's bullshit. I think just be honest. Hey, I was up for a job and somebody else got it. And good for him. He gets an opportunity. I have no negatives there. I'm not gonna sit here and you know <laughs> and, and and do the every time a box score comes out. Um, hope that they lose games, that they made the wrong choice. I can't think like that. That's just, you can't allow that level of negativity to be part of your life. I still know that uh, in my heart, I'm the better choice. That's how you have to factor it. But it doesn't mean that that's not a good choice, that that can't work for them. But I I, I, I would probably leave you with, with this thought, which is put it all out there, put the plan together, put your heart and soul into it, really dedicate time and and part of your effort to get it and it's okay to not get it it's okay to be told no you know those things these things are hard as you guys know if you're a coach like this is what every coach told me these things are hard to get that while it seems 363 of them seems like a gigantic number okay think of and people have asked me all the time well you know why haven't you coached before why haven't you gone into being assistant and here's the answer i had a conversation with chris del conte about being the head coach cdc and i go way back he was actually my brother's roommate at cal poly san luis obispo when he was an associate athletic director and my brother was like going to grad school but um but an assistant on jeff snyder's staff when they first went division one so I had a conversation with him and he said, look, man, you would be awesome. He's like, but I, I think you'd be an incredibly dynamic coach and recruiter. And I just, I, I don't know if I can hire you at this level right away. Now, this is before I established myself a little bit more in broadcasting. And, and look, maybe I, they'll, they'll still be athletic directors running that. But I went down to the lobby of the coach's hotel. And I remember looking out the lobby and seeing like 2,000 coaches and thinking that there was likely 2,000 resumes of all of those guys because they all wanted a job. And I remember thinking, I have a job in broadcasting where there's a, where, you know, I'm, I'm one of a pool of 100. In college coaching, you're one of a pool of 3,000, 4,000 for each job. And so with that in mind, I just thought this was a better, smarter. I was just doing the math in my head, right? So that's always my thing. Why not pursue it? Because why would I put myself in a pool? Why would I go to be an assistant and put myself in a pool of like, remember, there's 363 jobs. There's three assistants on staff. You do the math. You're putting yourself in a pool of thousands and thousands of candidates. 
Whereas when you're in broadcasting, you're in a pool of like 150, 200 candidates. That's the thought in my mind. Anyway, I will tell you that when I got that call, it hurt, which tells me, and this is how my brain works, I wanted it. And I didn't get it. And we move on. You can check out the daily radio show, 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to 2 Pacific. And of course, there's the In the Bonus podcast. You only get the real shit here. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calafari for Ways to Win. How do you play? How do you work when you're not at your best? Coach Cal and I will share some wisdom from our time coaching, and we'll apply that wisdom to your off-court challenges. you got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.